I'm just telling you right now, this whole thing isn't going to look right, feel right, smell right until the goaltending gets there. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning from St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Penguins 6, Wild 4. And if that sounds like the team gave up a couple of leads, they did. If it sounds like they got a little lackluster defensively and kind of let things slip, they didn't. And that's where this one is weird. That's where this one's difficult. Because what my eyes told me from the press box and what the players told me from the locker room very much aligned with the actual data that was available, including the advanced analytics, and that is that the Penguins performed pretty tightly as a group defensively. The Wild overcame a 2-0 lead to make it 2-2 on a couple of goals 12 seconds apart that really didn't have much in common at all. They weren't really the result of some sort of big breakdown other than that Tristan Jari tried to send a puck around the boards that he really should have left there. And this I did have confirmed from the locker room for Marcus Patterson. And then it seemed like every other occasion in which the tiniest little thing would go wrong, the Wild, who are having a terrible, terrible time scoring goals, would score goals. They didn't look like a threatening team on this night at all. And yet every time some random Joel Erickson Eck or whoever would get the puck into open space, bang, there it was. Back of the net. And that's not going to do it. That's not going to do it. What have I been saying since the summer months? This team has what it takes, not just to compete, but to contend if, capital I, capital F, Jari is a top five or top six goaltender in the league. He is not that right now, and I'm being kind in that assessment. If the Penguins had lost this game, and Jari hadn't gotten, you know, the W and hadn't been able to shake off the lousy showing his last time out, or for that matter, Casey DeSmith either overtaking him temporarily at number one or some minor injury holding him back or not or whatever it is, this would have been one devastating result for him. His teammates bailed him out, and that needs to start reversing itself. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals. For those in need, visit Pittsburgh Food Bank. 
Mike Sullivan is not one to criticize goaltending. So it was no surprise that he found all kinds of diplomatic phrases to describe Jari's performance after this. It was a tough, uh, it was a tough circumstance, you know. Um, you know, I think he would have liked that goalie handle back and, you know, we work on those things a lot and just that communication with our defenseman and the goalie and that exchange and, and how important that is. And, uh, you know, that's, that's one of Tristan's strengths of his game. He's, he's uh, normally very good in that, in that regard. So I thought he responded after that and, uh, you know, and, and he settled into his game. And he was obviously dead on about Minnesota's second goal. Again, that's just a giveaway by the goaltender on a set play. The Penguins have a scripted breakout in that situation. Marcus Pedersen, 100% of the time, I was told down there, is supposed to take that puck. And as one player said, it, it's the easiest play in the world getting out of your zone when he does. Jari messed it up. It ended up in the back of his net. The Penguins built themselves another two-goal lead in the third period. And they had a power play. It looked like they could add on. But there was one little breakdown. Little breakdown. Not even a big one. In the Pittsburgh zone, and Erickson Eck comes in kind of open on the right side. Picks his spot. Nails it. Couldn't get the big save again. Haven't gotten the big save a lot this year. I know everyone's tired of me saying, based on the feedback that I get, that I'd love to see the Penguins secure Jari with a long-term contract as a franchise goaltender. I believe in him. My belief in him is not wavering, even though it might sound like it in this particular episode. But he needs to, you know, step on the gas because this isn't it. This isn't it. This won't work. And a game like this really underscores that because the Penguins did get six goals. Doesn't it seem like they get six goals in every game that they win? Well, guess what? That's not a formula for success. It's just not. Not in October, not in November, and you'd better believe not next spring. He, Jari, is going to have to wake up. There's a couple more games coming up this weekend on this trip. They're in Winnipeg. Oh, actually later today, but the game is tomorrow night. And he'll be facing the player that I feel is, at the worst, the second best goaltender in the league behind Andre Vasilevsky. And that, of course, being Connor Hellebuck from the Jets. And then there's a game in Chicago. And you know what? Honestly, if I'm Sullivan and I'm Andy Kyoto, I'd be looking at this situation and saying, you know what? I'm going to put Casey DeSmith in goal against the Jets. Because I need my better goaltender in there right now. The Jets are 10-4-1. and one. They had another big overtime victory last night in Winnipeg. They're looking really, really good. And they have Hellebuck. So you want to put your best goalie there and then try to save Jari for Sunday night in Chicago and hope that he can face another team that isn't all that good, kind of like this Minnesota team, and maybe build up some confidence. But you know what? Training camp's over, man. Training camp's over. Preseason's over. The first month and change of the regular season is over. It is high time for Jari to return to being his best self. It's there. I believe in it, but it's got to come out, and it's got to come out soon. When we come back, J1Q. 
Today's J1Q comes from Mike in Indianapolis. And Mike asks, up two goals with eight minutes left in heading on the power play, wouldn't the sound move to be to use two defensemen rather than one? And if so, why didn't that occur? Uh, For anyone who doesn't know what Mike's referencing, the Penguins had, as I mentioned in the opening segment, that two-goal lead, and then they gave up the shorty to Erickson Eck. The players on the rink who are in question here were Latang on the right side and Malkin on the left, Malkin being the regular left point man. And Erickson Eck took advantage of Gino, kind of spun around him. Gino either misread the play or lost his balance or whatever, but Mike, that makes your point. He is not a defenseman. Gino's not a defenseman. He can get back there. He can skate backward. Otherwise, he wouldn't ever be on the power play. So I'm with you there. I think if you do nothing more than put Latang out there with his now regular partner at five on five, Marcus Pedersen, you're doing yourself a solid. You're preventing, uh, at least minimizing the chance of a shorty. And there are strategic things that Sullivan can do and still really won't. To an extent, and I'd say only about a 5% extent, I can understand what Sullivan was doing because his power play has just started to look a little bit uh, competent, aggressive. And you would think that they would have continued to be threatening and competent had they not stumbled in their own zone. But the priority there, especially for a team that is continually blowing leads, has to be preventing blowing another lead. So that's it. That's all I have. And it's obviously not much. So when I... I, Let me me put it this way, okay? One of the things that I did like to kind of close out today's show on a positive note because this was a positive outcome. And I do believe that the Penguins overall, aside from their goaltending, took a positive step forward in a lot of facets, including defending, including defending. But the thing I'd give them the most credit for in this game was that every time something negative happened, Rather than allowing it to snowball, they struck back. Now, you can say that's because the other team stinks. You can say that's because they were stuck using Philip Gustafson in goal. And boy, did he not look good, former Penguins draft pick. And maybe you're right. But there's still a visible sulk that can occur with a hockey team whenever something goes awry. And a couple of things went awry on this night, and they kept battling. That was a point that that Latang made with me uh, quite strongly after the game. He, he felt really good about the fact that everybody kept their chins up the whole time and just kept going. So uh, let, let, let's do that, Mike. Let, let's, let's leave it on a happy note, all right? <laughs> I mean, we'll see how things uh, go as far as the happiness thing or the happiness factor following this weekend because, like I said, they do have – a very tough opponent in Winnipeg. And then for whatever reason, even when the Hawks stink, the Penguins can't win in Chicago, 
one of the strangest things that goes back forever. So let's let's see how it plays out. Couple key games coming up over this weekend. I kind of like this one as a table setter. I would have liked it a lot more if the goaltender was involved. I appreciate the question, Mike. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these when I get home on Monday. Thank you.